Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our Insights series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more Insight Series updates and as always, like, subscribe and share. Hello and welcome to another Sibylline Podcast. Today we'll be discussing Turkish foreign policy and what's happening at the moment in the Eastern Mediterranean. And with me to share their thoughts on this topic are Eloise Scott, our Middle East analyst, and Alex Lord, our Europe Eurasia analyst. So first off, Eloise, we've heard about this illegal drilling that Turkey are engaging in. Can you tell us a bit about what's motivating this behavior and why it's happening now? Yes. So we've basically seen in recent months or even in the past year and a half, really, that Turkey is adopting an increasingly aggressive stance. And this has been driven by a couple of major things, both domestically and externally. But um, as I've alluded to, it's not a particularly new trend. This shift eastwards or even the, the pursuance of a, a more isolationist policy is, is, has definitely been in the pipeline for a while. But it has become more pronounced in recent months with, with some of these developments. So initially, domestically, Erdogan, President Erdogan of Turkey, has had some real major challenges that he's had to face and overcome. So one of these was last year's municipality elections in which he lost Istanbul and Ankara. And actually, that is a, a major issue for him, given that municipality-owned contracts are highly lucrative. So not only is he facing economic issues, but he's also facing some significant challenges to his power. And this has also come at a time of severe economic crisis. We saw in 2018 that Turkey, the, the lira plunged quite significantly. And then finally, this is all in the context of a growing domestic energy demand that Turkey is struggling to meet through its own local production. So those are some of the main domestic factors that have begun this sort of more isolationist policy. And then aside from that, some of the external factors that are the more recent ones are particularly, as we're going to be talking more about, what's been going on in the eastern Mediterranean. And it is linked to Turkey's energy policy and, and its sort of anxieties with relation to its own domestic energy, but also its desire to profit from the lucrative oil-rich region in, in the eastern Mediterranean. So more recently, in fact, I think it was the 2nd of January, we saw that uh, the East Med energy project um, has well, it's sort of underway now. Israel, Greece and Cyprus signed a deal on the 2nd of January. And essentially, Turkey perceives this East Med project as excluding Turkey. And obviously, as uh, given that the region is particularly oil-rich, Turkey sees this as a, a way that the other actors are excluding it, essentially, from, from these benefits and these profits. And actually, in recent weeks, Turkey has gone as far as to pursue quite an aggressive stance. So this explains actions in Libya. So there have been two agreements between Ankara and the Government of National Accord, based in Tripoli. And one of these was actually delineating maritime boundaries that essentially was a gross disregard of, of Cypriot, Greek, Egyptian, even Israeli claims to some of the resources in the region. But it has also agreed to send troops and support militarily in Libya. So clearly it's really trying to shape dynamics in, in the eastern Mediterranean and in conflicts in the Mediterranean. And in late 2019, we even saw Turkish ships acting quite aggressively towards Israeli Cypriot vessels, and at one point even trying to escort one out of Cypriot waters in, the, um, in, in Cyprus's EEZ, the economic zone. Okay, so we've heard about a recent related cyber attack. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this? Yes, yeah, so it came out in late January that some Turkish 
state-sponsored or cyber proxy groups successfully targeted around 30 organizations, including embassies, government ministries, but also private companies. Um, so this is clearly a sphere that Turkey is prepared to exploit. And actually, we could see more of given that the East Med gas project is, is clearly going to go ahead and Ankara has clear anxieties about this. So these cyber attacks are something that could occur more frequently. And as we've seen, they didn't just target public bodies, but also private ones as well. Okay, so Alex, could you tell us a bit about what the international reaction to this behaviour has been? Yeah, so the EU late last year implemented a number of sanctions against Turkey for their drilling off the Cypriot coast. The sanctions have been moderate in, in, in their scale particularly in the wake of Erdogan's increasing rhetoric in an attempt to forestall the um, escalation of any more sanctions. Um, the Cypriot government recently has been attempting to pressurise the EU in particular to increase these sanctions. They've been withdrawing their own support um, for recent sanctions against Russia, for example, preventing those going forward until very recently. So the, this this issue is, playing, is big on the EU agenda at the moment, particularly obviously for... Um, Greece and Cyprus um, member states. A couple of state, states have gone even further in their criticism of the Turkish actions, in particular France. So this week we saw a President Macron announce that he is wanting to expand industrial and particularly military relationships with Greece. In particular, he announced that he would be spent um, sending warships to the Eastern Mediterranean in order to back up Greece in their ongoing dispute. This is a particularly um, major escalation, as it were, rhetorically, um, at least in the in the ongoing dispute, um, and it has a number of potential implications for the region. Um, he's mentioned in, in his speeches recently that Turkey has particularly sent warships and troops to Libya, for example, and Macron has particularly brought out the fact that these warships are being sent, they are Turkish, and sending warships to the eastern Mediterranean has some very definite implications there. Also, what else are we seeing? So we've mentioned the East Med um, pipeline um, coming into operation. We're really seeing quite a, a united front, as it were, around Turkey. The Turkish um, actions are really forming quite a lot of um, bilateral and multilateral agreements. A lot of countries are coming together in the face of, of Turkish um, actions in particular. And what are the broader implications here? How are these developments going to impact other international actors? Yes, yeah, so immediately we can see that this more sort of isolationist Turkey will be problematic for a number of reasons and for a number of, number of actors. I think primarily what we can say, certainly from the Middle Eastern perspective, is that actually it will really, really complicate the, the peace efforts or negotiations in Libya. Obviously, we've got the likes of Russia, Egypt, the UAE backing opposition forces under General Khalifa Haftar in Libya, and then Turkey supporting the government of national accord. So peace efforts there are, are going to be really complicated by that. And obviously that, that will be even further complicated by recent attempts by um, Erdogan to impose his authority in terms of the maritime delineation that he's signed with the government of national accord. So I think also the recent developments have a number of um, implications for the maritime sector in particular. We mentioned previously the Turkish naval interception of a Cypriot-Israeli research vessel. I think there's definitely potential for these sorts of activities to increase in the coming months, um, not just for naval and particularly um, nationally owned vessels, but also potentially private vessels. There's a number of um, interested Western oil and gas companies operating in the Cypriot 
EEZ currently. The EEZ, which obviously is at the centre of this current dispute. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning that the US in particular has given weight to these kind of projects, so particularly East Med Pipeline. And obviously this is important in the context of souring relations between the US and Turkey. Absolutely. Um, and we're increasingly seeing the, the, the sovereignty debate go into the wider international uh, relations of the region. Um, and particularly at the moment, we're going, I think we're going to see definite scope for increased um, naval activity in the region, uh, as Macron's uh, announcement of warship deployment um, definitely signifies. But also, like most maritime disputes, it's not just the naval ships, the big gun ships that are at the focus point. It's much more smaller ships involving both state-owned as well as private. And I think there's definitely scope for constabulary vessels to be used quite extensively by Turkey in particular, but also potentially reciprocally by Greece. Both of these countries want to exercise their sovereignty. This is what this dispute is about. And I think by intercepting various vessels, commercial vessels, shipping vessels, particularly though oil and gas assets in the region, I think that is potentially one of the main reasons how this dispute is going to play out. We're going to see increasing rhetoric, I reckon, in the next uh, in, the, in the coming months. But I think at the tactical level, we're going to see maritime disputes manifest in constabulary exchanges less than big battleships um, exchanging uh, rhetoric. Okay, great. Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts on this topic. It sounds like there are a lot of moving parts here to keep an eye on. And we'll make sure to keep you updated as events in the region continue to unfold. Thanks for listening.